Welcome to the Texas VC Podcast. This is our second episode ever, and no longer calling ourselves the Better Than Loop Podcast, because hopefully by now, Hassam has actually released a second podcast over at Loop. Otherwise, Rakesh and Hassam, please get off your asses and release another podcast. This week is going to be a very fun week. We have Jeff Reichman here today. Hey, everybody. Uh, Jeff is another pillar of the Houston startup community, linking together, in, in my eyes at least, the efforts of the city of Houston through his consulting and the startup community that we have here in Houston that's been evolving over the past few years. Very, very cool. Very excited to have you here today, Jeff. Thanks for having me here, Aziz. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So uh, just so that our audience knows a little bit more about you, you know, where did you come from, Jeff? Huh. I originated, I was born on the corner of 7th and Spruce Street in Philadelphia. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. Uh, so I'm from Philadelphia. I, I grew up there. I went to college there. I went to graduate school there. Um, I followed a girlfriend at the time around the country, so I spent some time in Santa Barbara, California, uh, and worked with startups there. I spent some time in Washington, D.C., and uh, did some consulting there. And I moved to Houston seven years ago, and uh, this is my home now. And what triggered the move to Houston? Uh, following a girl around the country. Man, you know, so this is our second episode, mm -hmm. and now you are the second guest <laughs> to say the reason why you're in Houston is because you followed a girl. It's a common story, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll have a female guest in here next week, and we'll see if it, if the corollary holds true and people <laughs> like move it. here to follow guys. <laughs> um, but uh, interesting, interesting anecdote. So yeah. people come here because of the women. They call it the two-body problem in academics, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you gotta, you got to make sure that everybody has a job when you're recruiting an academic professional. But I just came here sight unseen, and uh, I've lived a bunch of different places. I just make a go of it wherever I am, and... I stayed in Houston because it's a cool town. Yeah. What did you get your degree in? English. In English? I'm an English major, and I got a master's degree in creative writing. Okay. Yeah. So not, not the most tech-related background. No, but I grew up with a computer. I was I was really fortunate. So I've been working on computers since the Apple IIe, uh, taking it apart, mm -hmm. putting it back together. I have brothers, so we all geeked out on building RC cars and stuff. So tech was always part of my vocabulary. Okay. And so you were in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. You found out you were moving to Houston. Uh, well, I was in D.C. and I found out I was moving oh, to Houston. Oh, sorry. Uh, got the sequence wrong. What were you doing in D.C.? Uh, I worked uh, for a couple of years with a consulting firm, and then I worked for corporate innovation people at Choice Hotels International. Okay. And then when you got to Houston, was that your first foray into civic tech? Yeah. Uh, it took me a couple of years after being in Houston to really dive into it, I had done uh -huh. two startups in the parking industry in the past okay. uh, and been part of these really cool teams. And part of my job was to do business with governments and universities. So I've done hundreds of RFPs and the process is really broken. So I, I had an <laughs> opportunity to, to kind of get some inside baseball and work on interesting projects. And I just found it to be a really great environment if you're interested in projects that can have an impact. And interesting thing here you started were you a part of part of the founding team on these startups or were they just startups that you happened to work for or talk about these two startups for a moment one was a startup that i happened to work for and one i was part of the founding team um we did all sorts of stuff related to paying your parking ticket and buying your parking permit online uh back when that stuff wasn't online 
Mm. And so we were using, we were programming software for military grade handhelds that had to meet certain specifications so that they'd be out in the snow in Anchorage, Alaska. And, uh, we were doing e-commerce web before people knew about e-commerce. So mm-hmm. it was a lot of fun. Um, but I left California and the startups weren't like so big that it wasn't something that I couldn't walk away from. <laughs> yeah. yeah. At some point, at some point, you you have to learn that you can't eat equity. Um, That's right. And, uh, <laughs> you actually have to make a living. Yeah. Um, so, so, so you're in Houston. In Houston. And you, you you decided to kind of go down this path with civic tech. Mm-hmm. What was your first What was your first foray into civic tech? Uh, so I was a judge at a startup startup weekend back in 2012, and I met this guy named Bruce Haupt. Bruce had this team called Permit Me which was designed to streamline the permitting process for the city of Houston. The city at the time had a bid out for, or they were putting a bid together for like a $1.5 million deal and, you know, going through the big procurement process. And so I met with Bruce, we had a beer and we talked about doing a hackathon. And at that time, late 2012, open data was just starting to take root in places like um, Chicago and New York. And Mm -hmm. so we had this good kind of combination of forces between the community and the startup and tech folks and people inside the city. And we planned and pulled off the first hackathon in mid-2013. Very cool. Very mm-hmm. cool. And and when you did that hackathon, mm-hmm. like help, help me understand kind of what goes into getting one of these hackathons off the ground. Sure. Um, well, for us, we really like to sketch out what's possible in a hackathon. So it's uh-huh. about having a really unique mix of skills and still making it welcome for people who don't have skills uh, or don't have skills that they can apply to these particular (laughs) projects. Uh, So for us, it's about going around to the different meetup groups and figuring out like who matches well with what we can do. We have a really good way of curating projects. We know what kinds of data exists and we know what people's needs are and we can help communicate that to uh, the R users group or the JavaScript meetup group or whoever. And some of those folks like to come out to the hackathon. So it's about stacking the deck with really good people, and ultimately, it's a learning experience for everybody involved, because you might have some tech skills and be able to contribute a ton in two hours worth of work, but you might not know where to contribute that. So we bring people from Houston Police Department and Houston Public Works, like all these different groups. So that very first hackathon that mm-hmm. you put together, mm-hmm. this was after the whole per- you met the Permit Me guys. Yep. Like, talk to me about, like, who was the customer? Mm-hmm. How'd you get it set up? Who paid for the darn thing? Yeah. Like, like yeah. Help, help me understand, like, those details. So for the first three years, we did it all ad hoc. Paid for it out of pocket, got some sponsors here and there, ran it all through, uh, and kept it very transparent. Uh-huh. The hackathon cost between two and $3,000 to pull off for 24 hours, food, free food, venue, uh, for two to 300 people. Uh, that first year, we had a sponsor. And we also, I guess Bruce ran kind of point inside the city and got uh-huh. awesome city involvement. The mayor came um, and everybody was just really surprised at what could be done. Mm-hmm. You know? And then what was the outcome of that? Uh, a couple of teams pitched to the mayor. The winning project was a visualization of the city budget. And now every year, this thing called Budget Boot Camp, which is a series of tableau visualizations uh-huh. and some instructions around it gets put on the city website for citizens to look at how we spend $5.1 billion. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. So you you do this hackathon, Mm -hmm. 
and then you got your consulting business off the ground. Mm-hmm. Was that about the same time in lockstep with each other, or did was your business January Advisors? Uh-huh. When does that get launched in this timeline? Uh, that was launched a few years prior. Okay, uh, I was pretty busy, but I've started to take on projects related to civic tech or uh-huh. projects with nonprofits that do business with the government. Right, becoming a subject matter expert in certain areas or maybe. Maybe that's a big way of putting it, but just getting smart in certain areas uh-huh. and knowing how public sector organizations work put us in really good position to say, we could do your website or we can build this web app for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did that for a couple of years in the public sector, but it's a lot more fun to be on the nonprofit kind of advocate <laughs> side than it is to be on the vendor side. Right. Talk about your business for a little bit. Sure. January Advisors. Like, was like, so what do you do? Who, you know, what's your breakdown between your customers, city versus nonprofits, it sounds like? Help us understand that. It depends on the year. Last year, it was split pretty 50-50. Uh-huh. Um, we did a couple of projects with the city, including the City of Houston General Plan. Um, so we did some branding for that and built the website and GIS tool. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, along with the Arnold Foundation, we put together a program called Bright Ideas that crowdsourced cost savings ideas from city employees and then paid them bounties whenever those ideas would get implemented. Um, so we helped develop the branding and the, the web tools for that. Uh, and we we ultimately consulted on the open data policy. Like We had a handful of, of city projects that last anywhere from a couple of months to like 14 or 15 months. Along the way, we also had some, some work with startups. Um, and we've done, I'd say, maybe about 25% of our business with nonprofits now. But every couple of years, I tend to shift into something new. Long story short, we're kind of guided by working on interesting projects with nice people. And by working on civic tech, we're able to really, you know, work on projects that can have an impact too. As you move forward, how do you think about this business? How do you want it to grow? Mm-hmm. What directions do you want it to go into? So January Advisors, I've tried to grow it in certain directions, but ultimately it is the things that me personally that I am interested in. And that's mm-hmm. a hard thing to scale. So I don't think of it in terms of scaling. I'm working on a company right now around generating unique data sets and unique data insights uh, Mm -hmm. for marketing and strategic purposes, political candidates, things like that, um, that can be scalable. But the consulting stuff are really just projects to keep me busy and keep me paid. Mm -hmm. Uh, I tend to take on anywhere from three to six a year. And sometimes I'm really busy and... You know, earning, and sometimes I'm devoting a lot of time to nonprofit activities and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It really, just depends on the time of year. Now, you probably more so than most in our startup community understand kind of the ins and outs of the government here yeah. in the city of Houston. Sure. Uh, what makes working with the city of Houston different than working with like a typical customer? Like a non-city customer or a non-government customer? Yeah. Um, pretty much everything. I mean, like, <laughs> first of all, every city is different from another city. Right. And cities themselves are different than counties or states. Yeah. And governments are different than all other clients. And the closest <laughs> corollary is, is like enterprise clients. But when you develop an enterprise client account, it becomes a lot easier if you let's say you're consulting with Microsoft and you do one consulting project with Microsoft getting five more consulting projects with Microsoft could be a lot easier if you do a good job with that first project the city up until recently measured its outcomes very differently than the way a business measures its outcomes and the way decisions are made inside of cities are very different than the way decisions are made inside of 
of companies. So from a startup's perspective, cities move slow. Mm -hmm. They have unnecessary, unnecessarily bureaucratic processes. Um, they, the way in which they operate doesn't make much sense. And ultimately, it causes entrepreneurs to scoff at governments. And most entrepreneurs don't like to work with governments precisely for those reasons. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm definitely guilty of that. I tell yeah. my startups, you know, hey, get real customers first. And then later, way down the line, let's see if we can find but, city governments to work with or, or municipals or school districts or whatever. But that's in your best interest as an investor, right? Yeah. Because, like, it could take three years to get a government contract. Like, they have... They work on their own timelines. If you're looking to get an ROI, yeah. while government contracts are good and you can take them to the bank, it's not. There's easier ways to make money. Yeah. Now that segues into the other aspect mm -hmm. of the way governments kind of impact things, which is, you know, here in Texas now, we've got a few cities that are kind of at war with a few startups right now. <laughs> war may be a strong term here, sure. but, you know... We're, we're watching kind of in real time now. So in Austin, we've got Uber and Lyft effectively, you know, out of the city. Yep. Uh, here in Houston, um, Lyft is out of the city and Uber is threatening to leave. Yep. In Austin, we've got a congressman over there kind of on a vendetta right now against a group of scientists <laughs> without going into the merits of any of these yeah. things. What is it about Texas here and what, what's going on here in this larger it's hard ecosystem. to say, and you know, I'm not a state expert, and I've only yeah. lived here for seven years. So yeah. from my relative outsider perspective, yeah. let me say this. Number one, I love this state, and I love this city. I think this is an amazing and interesting, endlessly interesting place. <laughs> and, it's, and it's constantly misjudged by other people. I right. think at our state level, yeah. the way that the Texas Republican Party has lockstep on the legislative branch and many elected positions in state government... Yeah. There's a certain type of Texas libertarianism here that says, you know, we're not going to regulate anything. Right. We're going to look the other way when it comes to regulation. And that, yeah. that, that's good for things like Uber and Lyft to flourish. And it's bad for things like fertilizer plants. And so I, I don't think that our current government has really figured out the difference between the two. Yeah. And figured out how to, how to regulate the things it needs to regulate and not regulate the things it doesn't need to regulate. And ultimately, it's it's cascaded down into the cities where sometimes you have voters, like in Denton, where they vote to ban fracking. They don't want fracking. Right. You know, say what you will about the merits of something like that. Um, the Texas state legislature doesn't doesn't want anyone to ban fracking. So since then, there's been this war on home rule. Yep. And it's playing out in every ledge session. I would love to see a TNC ordinance passed by the state that is based in common sense and based... TNC being... Uh, oh, like Uber and Lyft and, yeah. you know... Uh, basically, I would love to see an ordinance come out at the state level or, or a law come out at the state level that is sensible regulation and is driven by data that says if we do X, Y, and Z, this will make our rides safer. Mm -hmm. That would be awesome. But ultimately, you could see a toothless yep. ordinance or regulation come out of the state just to flip off the cities and say, fuck you, we don't want you yeah. self-regulating. Yeah, it's kind of funny how the extremes kind of play out here, right? Mm -hmm. The thing that I used to always tell people about Texas is, is, you know, as a state, 
insanely conservative with the, you know this Republican slash libertarian kind mm-hmm. of cabal that runs the state government. But then the city is extremely liberal. Very. Um, you know, what I used to tell people all the time up until Anise Parker was no longer mayor was, you know, we're on our third t- term of a lesbian mayor here. But it's got this weird side effect now, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think Austin may be ground zero for that, mm-hmm. where you've got the congressman who's, you know, all anti-science and, like, trying to keep everything out as much as possible. Yeah. And then you've got a mayor and a city council that wants to regulate everything. And so the result is, is in between the two, you've got this state government now who will probably do away with home rule and then kind of come in with their own stuff. For better or for worse is kind of the situation we're living with now. Yeah, and, and the question is, is do you trust the state government to regulate it in a way that keeps people safe? Or do yeah. you even buy the keeps people safe argument? And right. Maybe you say, screw it, let's live in an Ayn Randian yeah. dystopia and every man or woman for himself. Right. I, I think that what's interesting about Houston right now is that we elected a mayor who is very smart and very, he understands how both state and local politics works. Yep. And he's playing chess. And that's always good to have somebody at the municipal level like that. Somebody explained it to me, the difference between municipal and state government to me the other day. Mm -hmm. And they said that despite what you would think, state government is wide open. Mm -hmm. Like you can meet with whoever you want. And understand, understand where they come from. But city government is very much in defense mode because we have a lot of people who love to yell at city government. <laughs> you know, and yell about things that they don't understand. Like people will yell at the planning department about flooding and it's like, the planning department can't help you with your flooding except yeah. in very nuanced ways. And that's just one example. People will yell at libraries for serving the homeless. Yeah. Then they'll yell at libraries for not serving the homeless. Right. So city people are really stuck between a rock and a hard place, but this next ledge session is going to be pivotal, and frankly, uh, you know, Texas's demographics are changing, Texas's politics are changing, and given the national narrative of politics, I really think that if there's ever a place where somebody can run not anchored to a party yeah. and actually lead right. coalition, it's here. I think by law, all municipal elections are nonpartisan anyway. Yeah. Um, we only know Sylvester Turner is a Democrat because of his history, but, yeah. but when he runs, there's no letter next to his name or anything right. like that. The primary interface that you've been kind of helping evolve here in Houston are these hackathons. Sure. How effective do you think they've been as, as an interface with the city? Um, well, it depends on how you measure it. Uh, I uh-huh. think that we choose to measure it based on the ability to show new people, people new to the civic tech process inside and outside the city, what's possible and to show them the true costs of modern technology versus going out to bid for a really expensive system for something. Mm-hmm. It's also good to show them how easy it is when you have a data set to build a map or to code, to show them what's possible. By that yardstick, I think it's very effective. We grow our group. We have lots of people from lots of different governments showing up. We have extraordinary support between bureaucrats and elected officials and media. So in that respect, it's good. From a changing the system perspective, a hackathon isn't going to cut it. You know, we use the first hackathon to shoehorn in an open data policy. Uh-huh. And now we use that open data policy to beat the city over its own head. <laughs> I'm saying you have now a formal procedure for this. 
And it's all bureaucratic bullshit where they say, well, that's not a data set we identified and we don't have an enterprise data officer, so we don't have a policy person on point for this. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have to wait or file a TPIA request and then you file that and then they say, we don't have that data. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a, it's a cat and mouse game, but I have time. I live here. <laughs> I, I outlive, uh, hopefully, knock on wood, I'm going to outlive uh, this mayoral administration and I'll be here for the next one and hopefully the next one. Right. And it, as long as we st make morally and, and, and politically sound arguments where we can say this data belongs to the people, we want to help you, I don't think they can ignore us for much longer. Right. And we get incremental progress over the last couple of years, but um, it would be great to see the city fully embrace its own data like Chicago has yeah. and to really collaborate with the community. Yeah, it's interesting you're bringing up Chicago. So, so, yeah. so my friend Dan O'Neill, yeah, um, he just left uh, Smarter City over up in, up in Chicago. He's great, um, and he's going to be uh, he's joining the group that kind of saved healthcare.gov. Mm -hmm. They're working on vets.gov right now. But he did this thing where he had his a very public exit interview, mm -hmm. and as a part of that exit interview, he basically said, "Hey, you know, the, the whole model that we had around these hackathons and around civic tech." We did it for the right reasons. We had the right intentions. We did all this the right way all along. But, uh, man, maybe we need to put this effort and kind of put it on a shelf yeah. and try to go in a different direction. Mm -hmm. You know, when you see folks like that who kind of help get this movement up and running, kind of saying those things, does that impact your thinking? Or, or Definitely. Or, yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, he's a thought leader. He's very smart. And Chicago is light years beyond Houston. Right. And so I would love to get Houston to get to a point to say, you know, these hackathons are fun. Right. But like, I want to, I want to sink my teeth into something bigger. Maybe hackathons aren't cutting it anymore. Uh, I think that we can get to that point, but we're, we're years behind that. And the yeah. problem is, is that we don't have the institutional buy-in. What we should have is Sylvester Turner hiring a CTO who mm -hmm. says, you know, we're going to shut off every landline. Yeah. and make sure that we're not overpaying <laughs> for 30 years, or hiring a chief innovation officer or a chief data analytics officer or an enterprise data officer and getting their act together when it comes to procurements and auditing contracts and making sure that there's no graft and making sure there's no waste. It's a continuous struggle, right? Right. The city is 21,000 employees. Even if the next mayor was, you know, somebody who came from the tech community, it would not be over because the city is responsible for the long tail of problems within Houston. If you flood, it's the city's problem. If you're homeless, it's the city's problem. So those things can never be fully resolved. But like, there's big leaps forward in every front that the city can take, and it boggles my mind that they don't see it all the time. And so I would love for more people to be involved, more people thinking about modern technology and data-driven decision-making inside the city. And, you know, I, I think when is, when do we declare victory? I, I really don't know. <laughs> I really don't. Uh, I just, I get interested in stuff and then I yeah. request data. Like, I want to know where you can get the best internet in Houston and how much it costs. And whether or not if I live in the fifth ward, if internet is more expensive or less expensive or even available. And I want to know where the basketball hoops are. And I want to know, like, mm -hmm. where I'm going to get food poisoning. And, that kind of stuff is really straightforward and it's not put out there. So I feel like we're at a very fundamental level right now and we're going to get to that first milestone of momentum very quickly. From there, hopefully other people in the community will step up and take these things in directions they want to go. Very cool. And 
you kind of know where kind of like the next incremental step is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think you've articulated kind of what your vision is for what you want to accomplish next. Sure. That's great for the community. Yeah. Um, what about for you? Well, I love working on lots of different projects. And I have been consulting outside of the public sector uh, this year and working with various startups and working with kind of larger companies. And I think that I'm going to continue to do that and simply advocate and speak more freely about open data over the next couple of years. Um, our nonprofit, Sketch City, which puts on the hackathons, is also getting more involved in project delivery. Uh-huh. And so it's kind of stepping into a lot of those areas. Um, I've been getting really interested in data analysis. So uh, I've been learning statistical programming and <laughs> like that, you know, staying up late at night. Um, you got like MATLAB running on your laptop. <laughs> yeah, I got our studio sitting there on my laptop right now. I'm looking at Twitter networks. I was going to send you over your Twitter network over the last uh, two days. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, opportunities always just kind of fall in my lap. And uh, I'm very, very fortunate in that way. And hopefully I'll get to continue working on civic tech stuff as an advocate and a community member. Um, I'd like to get better at programming. And I've got a couple of startup ideas in the hopper and a couple of business partners, you know, in various capacities that when something hits, I'll let you know. Very cool, man. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking some time today My uh, to come so swing by the here. Mercury Global Headquarters here. Yeah, I love it. And, uh, and uh, we, we appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thanks, Aziz.